bow your heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that like you waited for that woman at the well and sat down and talked with her, you waited for us as well and made us your own. Give us ears to hear and hearts to believe your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You ever noticed that when babies are little, everyone loves them? They're cute, they're cuddly, right? Innocent, harmless, and then they grow up. And as life goes on, maybe they get a little naughty, or a lot naughty. And sometimes, maybe even we don't want to be around them all the time. I thought about that as I thought about the fact that there just seem to be more Christians at Christmas than there do on Good Friday. People are more comfortable with baby Jesus as opposed to Jesus of Good Friday. We forget that you can't have one without the other. We forget that you can't have the baby in the manger apart from the man dying on the cross. It gets lost somewhere in the, in the fluff we make out of Christmas. Too easy to forget the, the harsh reality of why this child was born. Forget that you can't understand the meaning of his manger until you understand the meaning of the cross. That's why today's reading is so important. Simeon brings a dose of reality to Mary and Joseph. He lays out for them and for you and me the, the, the true meaning of Christmas. Once again, we hear the word, Behold, which is the word we've been looking at on Wednesday nights. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, stop, look, listen, pay attention. Behold, this child is appointed for the falling and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Simeon sounds like a first century Scrooge. Imagine you are Mary and Joseph up to this point. You've heard only great things about this child of yours. Angels visited them, both. When Mary went to see her cousin Elizabeth and she greeted her, the baby leapt in the womb of Elizabeth and Elizabeth fell at her knees before her younger cousin and honored her. Shepherds, the night of his birth, were, were, were visited by a whole company of angels and then they became the first ones to, to visit the mother and the child in the manger. Even Simeon, when he first took the child up in his 
arms. He had great words to say. Oh, Lord, let your servant depart in peace. This is what I've been hoping for. Comfort of the people of Israel. Enlightenment for the nations. But then he added this sour note. Why? Because to understand God's real purpose in the birth of this child, we really do have to shed all the um, meek and mild Jesus stuff of Christmas. Because that stuff makes of Jesus one with whom anyone can feel at home. One with whom anybody can feel comfortable. It makes him a, a savior who offends no one. Savior, a baby you can cuddle at Christmas time and forget about the rest of the time. That's not who he is. This child, Simeon says to his mother, is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel. God's purpose and the gift of this child is that you and I would be confronted, that the world would be confronted with God himself, that there would be no middle ground. Jesus is to be the dividing line between men. He is the one in whom the wheat is separated from the chaff. Jesus said it, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Simeon says he's destined to cause the falling of many. Isaiah wrote, listen to these words, he will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble, they will fall and be broken. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that Jesus is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Greeks. John records in the sixth chapter that at one point people found the teachings of Jesus so hard that they turned back and followed him no more. And it's still true today. People are offended by the gospel. People take offense at the idea that Jesus is the one and only way to the Father. Now that may be hard to hear. How is it possible that one who is the Savior of the world can be a sign that's spoken against? How is it possible that such a gift could make you and me at times feel uncomfortable? It's because in Jesus, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You know, there's an old story about two ladies that were sitting in the front of the church and the pastor was preaching against lying and they said, Amen, pastor. And then he was preaching against thievery and greed and he said, they said, You tell him, pastor. He preached against adultery. That's it, pastor. He preached against gossip. And they said, Now hold on. Now you're meddling. Jesus doesn't preach. He meddles. All right? He doesn't just tell us what we like to hear. 
He points, the harsh, points us to the harsh realities about us, the things that we don't want anybody to know, that we don't want to talk about, that we don't even want to face about ourselves. He confronts us with the truth that sin is not a character flaw. It's not just a couple of mistakes that we've made. There's no excuse. You can't stand before God and say, well, I was only human. Won't well, cut it. So is Jesus. Sin is serious. Sin is damnable. It cost him his life. Not easy to hear. I don't know if you're like me, but I don't like being told what I'm wrong. I had a lady call me once, doing a vacancy in Nebraska. She said, Pastor, could we change the confession of sins in the hymnal? And I said, what, what, what do you want to change? She said, I want to take out that miserable sinner apart. I said, really? She said, yeah, I'm not a miserable sinner. I said, well... I am, so we're keeping it. People don't like that poor, miserable sinner part. It's the hard truth. And yet it makes all the difference in the world. For facing that truth makes it possible for Christmas to be all that God intends it to be. Hey, facing the truth about ourselves helps us to know the true meaning of Christmas. This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many. See, that's why God confronts us with the truth about ourselves so that we can understand the truth about why Jesus came and why he came to the cross. I want you to listen to these verses because Jesus came, he was born into our fallen world to pay the consequences of our, of our failures. Listen to these. He says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or look down later in 2 Corinthians. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, I mean, he was the Son of God, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be made rich. He himself bore our sins in his own body upon the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For what the law was powerless to do, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. Jesus was born with Good Friday in mind. He was born to die for us. He's our Savior. He's the ladder that reaches up into the burning house to bring us out. He's the life preserver thrown from the boat to keep us from drowning. He's the anchor, like we said in the children's message. Because He's raised up on the cross. Because He was raised up from the dead. Jesus raises you up. I mean, that's, that's, that's baptism, right? Paul's words... Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Heard somebody, or read something, somebody said the other day, said, you know, you Lutherans, you're able to find baptism and Holy Communion everywhere. And that's right. <laughs> This is no harmless little baby. 
Simeon holds in his arms. This is God Himself in flesh and blood come among us. And this baby, God reconciled us to Himself. He has given us a new birth into a living hope. He has forgiven all of our sins. He has conquered death. God has, Paul says, raised us with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming age He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You can't have Christmas without Good Friday. You can't have tiny little Jesus without Jesus on the cross. You can't really appreciate the good news that you're forgiven until you know you're a sinner. That's the challenge of Christmas. God Himself come to confront you with who you are and to show you who He is and how much He loves you. Behold, Simeon says, stop, look, pay attention. This is remarkable. In the manger, in, on the cross and at the empty tomb, we see the Son of God given for us. We see the full, the true meaning of Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen.